0: Welcome to NTD News Today, I'm Kevin Hogan. Let's take a look at our top stories. Tracking low-income gun owners in America. A new report shows federal agencies apparently suspect people of illegally selling guns based on their salary. President Biden signing an executive order on gun control. Will the measure to toughen background checks help prevent shooting tragedies? We bring you analysis. Washington, D.C.'s voting act for non-citizens stands. Senate Democrats declined to block the D.C. Council's law. Critics say it allows citizens of hostile nations to influence elections. The Food and Drug Administration says children as young as six months old can now get an updated Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine as a booster. The agency granted the emergency authorization yesterday. The federal government is allegedly tracking low-income gun owners. Many were apparently suspected of illegally selling weapons.
1: The Epoch Times exclusively learned that the federal government has been using Americans' income and gun purchases to track them. Agents from the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives, or ATF, gave salary estimates to the FBI. This apparently was to monitor people's firearms purchases. These revelations come from new documents received from a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit. According to the documents, a man in Arizona was put into the National Instant Criminal Background Check System, or NICS, due to his income and the purchases he made. An ATF agent requested surveillance by the FBI for the Arizona man, who reported under $2,900 income. The agent wrote... In my experience, someone with this amount of income would not be able to afford 20 firearms. An Asian man in Texas was put on the manual background check because the ATF said he has no work history, which could indicate that he's buying guns for other people. Eric Pratt, Senior Vice President of Gun Owners of America, or GOA, commented on the matter. Pratt told the Epoch Times that the monitoring is a serious problem, saying Congress needs to rein in this rogue agency by either exercising oversight over it or abolishing the unconstitutional agency altogether. A Wisconsin man was put under surveillance in 2020 because an ATF agent saw text messages related to buying and selling guns. The agent suspected that the man was dealing without a license. An ATF guide explains that if you only make occasional sales of firearms from your personal collection, You do not need to be licensed. You will need a license if you repetitively buy and sell firearms with the principal motive of making a profit. An ATF spokesman said he couldn't comment on the matter. NTD reached out to the DOJ, but didn't immediately hear back.
0: President Biden is taking action to curb shootings in the U.S. His measure includes promoting more secure storage for guns and helping law enforcement make the best use of last year's gun control law that helped states set up red flag laws. We've invited an analyst to weigh in on one of the main components of the move. Joining us now is John Lott, the president of the Crime Prevention Research Center and author of Gun Control Myths. It's great to have you on the show today, John.
2: Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: President Biden signed an executive order on gun control, which increases the number of background checks before firearms are sold. That was ahead of his trip to Monterey Park, California, where a shooting left 11 people dead in January. In your expertise, is this the best way to deal with gun violence? I mean, look, uh, California has
2: a much higher rate uh, than the rest of the country in terms of mass public shootings. Uh, My own belief is that the problems that they have there are due to the gun control laws that they have that make it very difficult for people to go and protect themselves. Uh, You know, things like these background checks on private transfers of guns or red flag laws are laws that California already has. Uh, But, you know, in fact, there's no mass public shooting this century that would have been stopped, even if you had had uh, such a law federally uh, and had been perfectly enforced. So, but it's something that they bring up all the time, and I guess I've come to believe that the reason why they're pushing for this isn't to stop these types of attacks, but simply to make it costly and difficult for people to be able to go and obtain guns, and also. Uh, to make it so that they can complete their uh, national gun registry that they have and make it uh, as up-to-date and complete as they can.
0: So, John, what does the data say about these kinds of measures, including background checks and their effectiveness?
3: Well, uh,
2: as I say, it wouldn't have stopped any mass public shooting this century in any state, even if you had had such a law. Uh, California's had uh, this type of law for years. Uh, It wasn't relevant for any of these mass public shootings that they had that occurred within the state. Um, And I don't think it has anything to do with stopping these types of attacks. I think they're pushing it for other reasons.
0: Now Brady, a gun safety group, says California's gun laws are working as deaths from guns dropped by over 50% from 1993 to 2017. Furthermore, analysts say stricter gun laws in the national level are needed to protect Californians from shootings. What's your reaction to this? Well, I think it's
2: nonsensical. I mean, they take from 1993 on. What they fail to note is that in uh, the beginning of 1994, Uh, When uh, the crime rates started to fall dramatically in California was when they introduced their three strikes and you're out law, uh, one into effect in March 1994. Uh, Their uh, assault weapons ban, which is the only gun control law that got passed anywhere near that, got passed in 1990. And from 1990 through 1993, uh, gun crimes and violent crimes increased in California. They only started to fall after California passed its strict three-strikes-and-you're-out law that was there. And as they have weakened that, uh, their crime rates have started to go up since then. So, uh, and that's only been a few years ago that they uh, undid parts of that. But look, you know, as opposed to a national law, uh, these guns used in these attacks weren't obtained in other states and brought to California. Uh, they were obtained within California. Uh, And so, and that's virtually what all these mass public shootings, uh, you know, there's only been a couple cases that I can think of over the last 25 years where the guns were obtained uh, from another state. And one of those involved DC. uh, uh, But, you know, it's just, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, if they can go and show that even a a non-trivial share of these mass public shootings involved guns from other states uh, and states that didn't have the types of regulations that they want to have, then you know there'd be some argument there, but that's not the case.
0: Well, thank you so much for breaking down this complex issue for us. John Lott, president of the Crime Prevention Research Center, really great having you on today. Thank you. Senate Democrats refused to block the Washington, D.C. Council from giving non citizens the right to vote in local elections. Election integrity and voting rights leaders made an unsuccessful last minute appeal. And today's Daniel Monahan has the report.
4: The House passed a resolution of disapproval with strong bipartisan support in February. But Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and the Democrat leadership did not allow the matter to come before the Senate for a vote. Two resolutions of disapproval were introduced and then referred to the Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs, one by Senator Tom Cotton and another by Senator Ted Cruz. The Committee's Chairman did not schedule a hearing on either resolution, thereby squashing both. Under the Home Rule Act, a resolution of disapproval from both houses of Congress and agreed to by the president enables the federal government to overrule actions by the D.C. Council. The Senate inaction allowed the Local Resident Voting Rights Act to take effect on March 14th. The law gives all residents over 18 the right to vote in local elections. Their citizenship status plays no role. The Election Transparency Initiative says the law would allow employees of China and Russia living and working in Washington to vote. Representative Nick Langworthy criticized the idea of allowing citizens of countries openly hostile to the U.S. to vote in elections.
5: This move by the D.C. Council dilutes the votes of American citizens.
4: Langworthy says that includes those who, quote, struggled and sacrificed to obtain American citizenship.
5: Voting is a pillar of American democracy and a constitutional right that must be protected and preserved.
4: Proponents of the Voting Act say residents who pay taxes, attend schools, and contribute to the community should have a right to vote in local elections. The Biden administration described congressional opposition to the two D.C. Council measures as, quote, clear examples of how the District of Columbia continues to be denied true self-governance and why it deserves statehood. Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre.
6: The president still thinks that uh, D.C. should become uh, the 51st state.
4: The population of Washington in 2020 was just over 700,000, according to the U.S. Census Bureau. Daniel Monahan, NTD News.
0: A federal judge in Texas is holding a hearing today on the biggest abortion-related case since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade last year. The issue was about medication abortion. Pro-life advocates sued the Food and Drug Administration over medication used in that process. The lawsuit is seeking several actions, including an injunction ordering the FDA to drop its approval of the drug. That would essentially block its use nationwide, at least temporarily. The most common method of abortion involves the medication. Both sides will have an opportunity to present their arguments today. The judge's first ruling on the case will be only on the preliminary injunction request. Conservative activist Charlie Kirk spoke about American values yesterday. The event took place at the University of California, Davis. However, a mob of protesters tried to stop people from attending the event. And NTD's Daniel Monahan has more.
4: Charlie Kirk is the co founder of Turning Point USA. According to its website, it's a nonprofit organization whose mission is to identify, educate, train, and organize students to promote freedom. Kirk says that totalitarians and tyrants are the most bothered when they realize they can't break your will. He underlined the importance of showing up at conservative events, running for local office, pressuring school boards and homeschooling children. He says conservatives have to justify their viewpoints at every single turn.
3: You get tougher when you have to do that. You get tougher when you have to debate and you have to defend your positions at every turn. The left is weak. They're weak and they are fragile. Weak, fragile people try to prevent other people from speaking. On the
4: family, Kirk called on young people to hold their parents in high regard. He says one of the reasons America is falling apart is because society is teaching children to no longer honor their parents.
3: Do everything you possibly can to not allow divisive politics or different ideas to get in the way of your family relationships or your close relationships.
4: On gender reassignment procedures for minors, Kirk pointed out that those suffering from gender dysphoria often also have other ailments, such as depression, schizophrenia, anxiety, and bipolar disorder.
3: So again, wouldn't it be rational to do what is reversible, which is just cognitive behavioral therapy, not what is irreversible to a 12-year-old that might be going through a temporary puberty-driven Crisis. Wouldn't that be a more loving, rational way of going about it? Kirk says teenagers
4: make mistakes and go through identity crises, and are susceptible to social contagions and peer pressure. Kirk also alluded to the vandalism that was committed to try to shut down the event. He says windows were broken, the building was spray painted, and people had stuff thrown at them.
3: And the fact that this event is allowed to go on is a testament to the terrorists, that we are not going to put up with force of trying to shut down people you don't like.
4: Kirk says the successful holding of the event was a statement that, quote, speech wins in America. Daniel Monahan, NTD News.
0: Children as young as six months can now be given the updated Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine as a booster. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration granted the emergency authorization yesterday. Pfizer has produced no clinical efficacy data for any age group. FDA officials say the emergency clearance was based on trial data. The data showed 60 children had, quote, an immune response after receiving the updated booster. None of the trial data has been released to the public. The authorization means children aged six months to five years will be encouraged to get a booster dose, this just two months after a three-dose Pfizer vaccine series. Children are less likely to experience severe COVID-19 symptoms. Many have also already been infected, giving them protection that's similar to or superior to vaccination. New York Attorney General Letitia James is hosting a drag story hour for children this weekend. The event is fueling anger over the use of taxpayer money on something critics feel is inappropriate. James will be joined by other city and state leaders. The event will take place in the West Village where families with children are invited to watch drag performers read books. The co-sponsor is Drag Story Hour NYC. The organization sends drag performers into public schools and libraries where they interact with children as young as three. The news received backlash on Twitter. TV personality Judge Alex Ferrera tweeted, Grown-ups want to dress in drag, more power to them. But what is this fascination with wanting people to bring their kids to your drag show? While Steve Cortez, a former spokesman for President Trump's campaign, called such explicit targeting of children evil. NTD reached out to the Attorney General for comment, but did not immediately hear back. Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders has signed a new law on gender reassignment procedures. It makes it easier to sue those carrying out such treatments. The law would change the period for filing malpractice lawsuits. Anyone who received a gender reassignment procedure as a minor could file for up to 15 years after they turn 18. Under current Arkansas law, medical malpractice claims must be filed within two years of an injury. The law won't take effect until this summer. The bill was signed as a federal judge is considering whether to strike down another Arkansas law from 2021. That law would prohibit doctors from providing gender reassignment procedures, hormone therapy, or puberty blockers to anyone under 18. Tennessee lawmakers are deliberating a bill that would define male and female based on a person's biological sex at birth but it would cause financial consequences for the state. The proposed law would require government-issued IDs to match the sex on a person's original birth certificate. It would block people from changing those IDs to a different self-identified gender. The bill passed the Tennessee Senate in a vote along party lines. The measure will now go to the GOP-controlled state house, where it's likely to pass. But the federal government, under Title IX discrimination laws, recognizes a person's chosen gender identity. The Biden administration has previously threatened to remove funding from institutions that don't comply with its definition. A winter storm dumped heavy, wet snow in parts of the northeast yesterday, causing power outages, widespread school closings, dangerous driving conditions, and flight cancellations. NTD's Kostemines has the story.
7: The storm's path included parts of New England, upstate New York, northeastern Pennsylvania and northern New Jersey. Snow totals by Wednesday were expected to range from a few inches to a few feet, depending on the area. More than 20 inches of snow fell in the Berkshires in western Massachusetts and northwestern Connecticut, and more than 8 inches in Albany, New York. Close to 270,000 homes and businesses were without power in the Northeast data shows, including in New York, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Vermont and Connecticut. In Syracuse, New York, a Delta Airlines plane veered off a paved surface, as it was about to take off on Tuesday morning. New York Governor Kathy Hochul declared a state of emergency on Monday night for 37 counties covering Albany, central New York, and the mid-Hudson and North Country regions. According to official data, over 2,000 flights have been canceled, with Boston and New York City-area airports experiencing the highest number of canceled flights. But some are in high spirits, despite the weather.
2: Oh, finally, the big snowstorm of the year. I finally get to use my new snowblower that I bought from Scopefields. Best snowblower I got ever.
7: Heavy snowfall is expected to end Wednesday, with some areas seeing snowfall of two inches per hour, accompanied by high winds, making travel impossible in some areas. The weather was so bad today, but, you know, the effect everybody, you know, uh, the problem is I can't go to work, because I can drive now to go to work. That's what the problem, but it's okay. Authorities warned that residents in coastal areas of the region could experience flooding due to heavy rains. The National Weather Service in New York said wind gusts could reach 50 miles per hour across Long Island and Lower Connecticut. Cost MNS, NTD News.
0: Just ahead, Maricopa County attorneys respond to Carrie Lake's case to the state Supreme Court. They say it's just a rehashing of old arguments. We have that and more after this break. Maricopa County attorneys say Carrie Lake has failed to present any new arguments. The 2022 candidate for governor took the lawsuit to the state Supreme Court after the state Court of Appeals rejected it. Earlier this month, the Arizona Supreme Court agreed to speed up hearing the election lawsuit. It set a March 21st date to consider whether it will accept the petition and whether to hear oral arguments. Regardless of if the Supreme Court takes up Lake's challenge, her future appears to be bright in the Republican Party. Some speculate Lake could pursue a U.S. Senate seat in 2024, and a recent poll had Lake as the number one Republican choice for vice president. North Carolina Republicans are asking their state Supreme Court to restore GOP legislature-approved electoral maps. The court previously threw out maps that could lead to Republican gains, but now has some new members after the election. The closely watched redistricting case is likely to have significant national repercussions. The case is a test of the controversial independent state legislature doctrine. Republicans argue that the U.S. Constitution has always directly authorized state legislatures alone to make rules about federal elections in their states without state courts becoming involved. If Republicans prevail and the proposed maps are reinstated, they could gain as many as four extra seats for North Carolina in the U.S. House of Representatives. Previously, when Democrats comprised the majority in the state court, the court found the legislature's maps unlawfully disfavored Democratic Party voters. But after recent elections, Republicans became the court majority and decided to rehear the underlying case. Good news for retired seniors, some Medicare beneficiaries could start paying less for certain types of prescriptions. The Department of Health and Human Services says starting next month, the out-of-pocket cost is dropping for 27 drugs. Seniors could save between $2 and $390 per average dose for these medications. This initiative is part of the Inflation Reduction Act. It requires drug companies to pay a rebate to Medicare if they raise their prices faster than inflation. Meat giant Tyson Foods will be closing two chicken plants in May to boost profits. The decision will impact roughly 1,700 workers. One of the chicken processing plants is in Glen Allen, Virginia, with just under 700 employees. The other is in Van Buren, Arkansas, with almost 1,000 employees. Both will close on May 12th. Tyson's chicken business has not been able to meet expectations in recent months. The company said it was a difficult decision to make, but they had to do it in order to optimize operations and utilize the full available capacity at each plant. The company is offering workers at the two plants the opportunity to relocate to other plants. Other food suppliers, including Beyond Meat and Pepsi, have also laid off workers recently. You may want to be a little more cautious in the kitchen and make sure your groceries are clean. The 2023 Shopper's Guide to Pesticides and Produce is out. Strawberries and spinach own the top two slots on the so-called Dirty Dozen. Kale came in third place, followed by peaches and pears. The report also says nearly 90% of blueberries and green bean samples had concerning findings, including more kinds of pesticides than in previous years. Health officials say exposure to food with pesticides could potentially be harmful, especially for pregnant women and children. The researchers say if you can't buy organic, pesticide-free fruits and vegetables, it's important to properly wash the food items. The good news is the least contaminated foods include avocados and sweet corn. The findings of this report come from nearly 47,000 samples tested by the Department of Agriculture. The FAA is investigating another close call between commercial airliners. According to the agency, a runway incursion happened at Reagan National Airport in Arlington, Virginia on March 7th. The FAA says a United Airlines jet was on a runway preparing to take off when a Republic Airways plane crossed the runway without clearance. Luckily, an air traffic controller saw the situation and quickly moved to prevent a crash. The controller canceled the United flight's takeoff The FAA says this happened because the pilot of the Republic flight turned on the wrong taxiway. This is the seventh runway incursion reported at an airport since the start of this year. The Pentagon speculates that aliens could visit our solar system and release small probes like NASA does when studying other planets. The hypothesis comes from a draft report. The report was co-written by the director of the Pentagon's All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office and the chairman of Harvard University's Astronomy Department. It describes a mothership releasing probes described as dandelion seeds. It says the probes would use the tidal gravitational force of the sun or a maneuvering capability. The paper says scientists wouldn't be able to detect the probes since they wouldn't reflect enough sunlight for telescopes to see them. This paper refers to the space phenomenon Omoa Moa discovered in 2017 as exhibiting similar phenomena. The All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office was established in 2020 to study unexplainable objects in water, on Earth, and in space. Amazon is setting its sights on low-Earth orbit, and the tech giant is rolling out a low-cost internet solution using satellites. The company says Project Kuiper will be fast and affordable it's designed to serve underserved communities around the world. No word yet on how much it will cost, but the company says affordability is a key principle of the project and that pricing will likely vary from country to country. The service is promised to deliver speeds up to 400 megabits per second. Amazon says it can produce the terminals customers need to access the service for less than $400 each. The first production satellites are expected to launch in the first half of 2024 and start delivering internet service later in the year. The project is being compared to Elon Musk's Starlink service. And coming up, the Department of Energy's top official called into question. That's after praising Beijing for climate efforts while China remains a top polluter. As a deterrent to North Korea, the U.S. and South Korea are conducting military drills. We'll have the highlights of the exercises soon when we return. Good to have you back with us. Praise for China has landed the U.S. Energy Secretary in some hot water. House Republicans had some strong words in response. Here's the story. Republicans on the
6: House Energy and Commerce Committee are seeking a retraction from Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm and demanding that she testify immediately. Those requests after she praised the regime in China for its efforts to combat climate issues. She made the controversial comment during an interview last Friday for the 2023 South by Southwest Conference in Austin, Texas. Here's what she said. We can all learn from what China is doing to lessen its carbon footprint. What's more, she commended Beijing for being very sensitive on the climate issue and called its investments in clean energy encouraging. In a letter to her, GOP lawmakers said they were deeply troubled by her alarming remarks. They added that her words raised serious questions about her judgment and priorities as energy secretary. The letter went on to say her comments, quote, at best, reflect an uninformed, unserious perspective on the goals and intentions of the Chinese Communist Party and its abysmal human rights and environmental record. The lawmakers pointed out that China poses one of the greatest threats to the U.S., while continuing to be one of the world's worst polluters. The Energy Department did not respond to a request for comment by airtime.
0: The security minister of the U.K. says he hasn't ruled a total ban on TikTok. He's ordering a review of the Chinese-owned app. He noted the Indian government's ban on many Chinese-owned apps and said he's waiting for a report from the National Cybersecurity Center before deciding. Under pressure from some senior MPs, Prime Minister Rishi Sunak has hinted that Britain could follow the U.S. and the EU by banning the social media app from government devices. TikTok has long argued that it doesn't share data with the communist regime, but Chinese intelligence law requires firms to provide anything requested to the Communist Party. Downing Street declined to comment further. Taiwan's Vice President William Lai registered today to run for president and pledged to protect the island against China. He added that Taiwan stands at the front lines of democracy. Lai assumed chairmanship of the Democratic Progressive Party, or DPP, in January this year. For the 2024 election, relations with Beijing are likely to top the agenda as they did in Taiwan's last election in 2020, when the DPP won easily by promising to stand up to China. Here's what Lai said today.
8: Taiwan
4: Taiwan is in a key geographic position in the first island chain of the Indo-Pacific, directly facing China's verbal and military threats, diplomatic suppression through unscrupulous means and the various threats of their double strategy of wanting peace and playing war. We have to be unified, continue to strengthen Taiwan, protect the democratic front line, and ensure Taiwan's security.
0: Lai angered the Chinese regime in 2018 while he was premier. He told Parliament he was a Taiwan independence worker and stood clear on his position that Taiwan was a sovereign, independent country. The U.S. and South Korea are conducting military drills as a deterrent to North Korea. The exercises included building pontoon bridges, which can ferry armored vehicles across rivers. NTD's Koss S tells us more.
7: The military exercises took place on Monday in Yeoncheon, about 40 miles north of South Korea's capital, Seoul. The drills included around 400 soldiers, military equipment and two Apache helicopters.
3: We've learned a lot from each other and been able to demonstrate our ability to work together as one team. We look forward to continuing to train together and building the relationship between the U.S. and the Korean forces. Uh, We'll remain ready to fight tonight. Kachi kapshi da.
7: The exercises also involved the building of pontoon bridges, which enables military vehicles and equipment to cross water.
5: Through this Korea-U.S. joint exercise, we were able to gain the confidence that we can completely carry out a river crossing operation under any circumstances. We will continue to establish a firm operational posture through training.
7: The allies say the drills are a necessary step towards deterring North Korea, in the wake of a record number of missile launches over the past year, raising fears of a new nuclear detonation for the first time since 2017. North Korea has condemned the joint drills. And the country's state run television KRT on Monday reported that the regime test fired two strategic cruise missiles from a submarine the day before, just as U.S. South Korea military drills were due to begin. Cost MNS, NTD News.
0: If you have any news tips or feedback for the show, don't hesitate to email us at news.today at NTD.com. Still to come, a Russian fighter jet collides with a U.S. military drone over the Black Sea, forcing U.S. forces to crash the drone into the waters. The two sides accuse each other of wrongdoing. Poland could soon send Soviet-era fighter jets to Ukraine. Poland has encouraged more countries to support Ukraine with weapons. More shortly here on NTD News Today. The U.S. military says a Russian fighter jet collided with a U.S. military drone over the Black Sea yesterday. Now the two countries are each offering their own account of the incident. Here's the story.
5: The Pentagon says a Russian Su-27 fighter jet collided with a U.S. unmanned MQ-9 drone on Monday. The incident took place over the Black Sea near the Crimean Peninsula.
3: At approximately 7:03 AM Central European Time, one of the Russian SU-27 aircraft struck the propeller of the MQ-9 causing US forces to have to bring the MQ-9 down in international waters several times. Before the collision, the SU-27s dumped fuel on and flew in front of the MQ-9 in a reckless and unprofessional manner.
5: THE PENTAGON SAYS THE U.S. DRONE WAS CONDUCTING A ROUTINE INTELLIGENCE, SURVEILLANCE AND reconnaissance MISSION. THEY EMPHASIZE THAT U.S. MILITARY AIRCRAFT ROUTINELY FLY THROUGHOUT EUROPE TO BOLSTER COLLECTIVE DEFENSE.
3: WHILE INTERCEPTS IN AND OF THEMSELVES ARE NOT THAT UNCOMMON, uh, THE FACT THAT THIS TYPE OF BEHAVIOR FROM THESE RUSSIAN PILOTS, THAT IS UNCOMMON AND UNFORTUNATE AND UNSAFE.
5: THERE DID NOT APPEAR TO BE ANY COMMUNICATIONS BETWEEN THE AIRCRAFT BEFORE THEY COLLIDED. The Pentagon says it believes the Russian aircraft was also damaged but was able to land. Russia, on the other hand, denies that their fighter jet ever hit the US drone or used any weapons. The Russian Defense Ministry said in a statement that Russian fighter jets went to intercept the drone because it was flying near Crimea. They claimed the US drone violated international norms by keeping its transponders turned off and that the drone crashed by itself due to a sharp maneuver. The U.S. State Department summoned the Russian ambassador to the U.S. over the incident. We don't want any confrontation between the United States and Russian Federation. We are in favor of pragmatic relations, for the sake, for the interest of the uh, people of United States and Russian Federation. Neither the U.S. nor Russia has recovered the drone from the Black Sea. This appeared to mark the first time since the height of the Cold War that a U.S. aircraft was brought down after an encounter with a Russian warplane.
0: Another bit of news here about a Russian aircraft, British and German fighter jets have jointly intercepted a Russian plane. The operation took place Tuesday near Estonian airspace in Northern Europe. The British Defense Ministry says the intercepted aircraft was a Russian air-to-air refueling plane two British and German Typhoon jets escorted the aircraft after it failed to respond to communications. Such interceptions are a routine part of NATO air policing missions. The operations target aircraft that fail to communicate with air traffic control or don't have an approved flight plan. But this marks the first time the British Royal Air Force has cooperated with a German Air Force Typhoon in a joint intercept. Speaking of fighter jets, Poland's prime minister says he could send some to Ukraine in the coming weeks, but not all countries agree with supplying Ukraine with such capabilities. Last year, Poland proposed sending Soviet-era fighter planes to Ukraine through a U.S.-NATO base, but the United States refused to conduct the transfer. Then-Pentagon Press Secretary John Kirby said the idea of facilitating such a transfer wasn't tenable. Now Poland and Slovakia say they're ready to supply Ukraine with fighter jets and that their allies should do so as well. The two countries have been particularly vocal supporters of Kyiv since Russia invaded. Warsaw's commitment to Ukraine has been important in persuading other European allies to also donate heavy weapons, But several governments have opposed the efforts. Poland has sent 14 German-made Leopard 2 tanks to Ukraine already. Asked last week how many jets Warsaw might supply, the head of the president's office said it would certainly not be as many as 14. Russia's defense minister paid a visit to the country's leading weapons manufacturer, Tactical Missiles. He ordered the company to double its production of precision-guided weapons. The Russian minister, Sergei Shoigu, said the order was in view of the increase in production this year. He described the task as very serious for tactical missiles. To carry it out, the company will need highly qualified specialists and production facilities. The minister said the mission is tough but doable. During the visit, tactical missiles also presented some of its latest weapons. The minister described them as missing not only from today's enemy, but also from the armed forces of other countries. Russia's invasion of Ukraine has also prompted European countries to bolster their defenses. European states have increased their imports of major weaponry by over 47 percent. That's in the five-year period ending in 2022 compared to the previous five-year period, which ended in 2017. The Stockholm International Peace Research Institute found that while arms transfers declined globally, those to Europe have risen sharply. It defines major weaponry as aircraft, warships, tanks, artillery, missiles, and heavy defense systems. How does the conflict between Moscow and Kyiv affect the world of art? Major museums around the world are quietly recategorizing Russian artwork. It comes after a months-long campaign by journalist and historian Oksana Semenik, aimed to persuade U.S. institutions to relabel the historical works of art she believes are wrongly presented as Russian. At the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York, two artists, once labeled Russian, are now categorized as Ukrainian, and a painting by the French Impressionist Edgar Dega has been renamed from Russian dancer to dancer in Ukrainian dress. The changes also include works by artists whose mother tongue was Ukrainian and who depicted many Ukrainian scenes, even if the region was in their day part of the Russian Empire. In the UK, energy companies have reportedly force-fitted prepayment meters in the homes of vulnerable people when they couldn't keep up with bills. Ofgem's chief says the ban on forced installation of the prepayment meters will continue beyond March. More on this from Entity's Malcolm Hudson. Ofgem banned energy companies from fitting prepayment meters after an
9: investigation found they were being force-fitted into customers' homes. The energy regulator is reviewing the actions of the energy companies who used warrants to get into people's houses. Speaking to a cross party committee, former magistrate Robin Cantrell Fennick said the warrants were being used too readily. It's a bulk process. Rather than having individual warrants in front of us, there'd be a spreadsheet. Um, That spreadsheet would uh, contain many more applications in a list. Um, I now know, I didn't know at the time, um, that some of the courthouses are are dealing with up to a 1,000 per list. It was my experience that I was dealing with between 50 and 100. Um, The occupants don't know when, where, what time uh, the application is being dealt with, um, and there is much, much less information on the spreadsheets. He said because magistrates didn't have much information given to them, there were no grounds on which they could question the warrants. The committee was told that between July 2021 and December 2022, magistrates granted over 530,000 warrants and refused just 75. An investigation by The Times revealed how British gas forced vulnerable customers, including disabled and mentally ill people, onto prepayment metres or to have their gas switched off. This was done after customers couldn't keep up with their energy bills. Chris O'Shea, the CEO of British gas parent company, Centrica, said allegations of improper behaviour came to him through media reports. He said they immediately suspended work with the subcontractor who was responsible. Since
2: the Times report, we've had around 300 customers that have uh, written to us to say that they feel they've been moved incorrectly. We're looking into every one of those cases. If that's the case, then we'll reverse it, we'll make it right.
9: The pause on fitting prepayment meters is due to expire at the end of March. But Ofgem's chief, Jonathan Brerley said energy companies will not be restarting forced installations. They will need to act in accordance with the new code of practice. Brerley said Ofgem's priority is to make sure the energy industry gets its act in order.
0: Malcolm Hudson, NTD News, London. And coming up, could leniency about illegal building construction have cost Turkish residents their lives? Get the full story just after this break. An unusual submarine has been found empty. The custom-built sub is suspected of being used to smuggle cocaine into Europe. It was stranded on a riverbed in northwestern Spain. The submarine is the second of its kind seized in the region. A vessel carrying over three tons of Colombian cocaine was abandoned in another nearby river in 2019. A Spanish government spokesperson said that the whereabouts of the sub's crew members are unknown. Police are now looking for any secret hatches before completely lifting the submarine from the water. The bow of the vessel was discovered on Monday morning by fishermen after they noticed a small oil spill. Police were forced to postpone their recovery efforts by a day due to rough sea conditions. Another natural disaster hit Turkey this week as the nation still recovers from the recent deadly earthquake. Flash floods broke out in two southeastern provinces following torrential rains. Footage from social media and local broadcasters showed floodwaters engulfing buildings, turning streets into rivers. Clips show numerous cars drifting in the muddy water, with bystanders helping the trapped drivers. Another clip shows the road collapsing and falling into the rushing water. Temporary homes for those displaced by the February earthquake also flooded. Local media report at least 10 deaths in the flooding. Witnesses say residents had to jump from the roof to roof to save drowning children. The country's Disaster Management Agency says it's searching for those missing or trapped in buildings. In Turkey, more than 200,000 buildings collapsed or urgently needed demolition following the earthquake in February, which left 50,000 people dead. As the government investigates how poor construction may have contributed to the devastation, some survivors and engineers point to a zoning amnesty passed under President Erdogan.
10: The Trend Garden Residence was an upscale service department building in the Turkish city of Malatya. But when a powerful earthquake jolted the city in the early hours of February 6, the seven-floored building disintegrated, killing 29 people.
1: My sister and my three nieces and nephews are under the ruins. I don't know how many days I've been waiting for them. I really can't calculate it. My mind has completely stopped working. We are waiting for them with hope.
10: Now, the wrecked Trend Garden is the subject of a criminal investigation to determine responsibility for its collapse. Local prosecutors have arrested at least three people connected to the building on preliminary charges of causing death by negligence.
1: Looking from the outside, it was a very beautiful flat. It didn't have a license, but later on it got one. They benefited from the zoning amnesty. I don't know how they got the license in this process, but somehow they got one.
10: Beneath its colorful façade, the building had been extensively remodeled a few years ago without the necessary permits, but was later registered thanks to a 2018 zoning amnesty. Here's the Turkish president addressing supporters four years ago at a Malatya rally.
11: Through this zoning amnesty, we solved the problems of 88,500 Malatya citizens.
10: Under the amnesty, owners could legalize unregistered buildings by filling an electronic application and paying a tax. The government's guidance stipulates that the owner is responsible for ensuring the building is earthquake-resistant.
11: We raised this issue as the Chamber of Civil Engineers along with other civil society organizations at the time. But unfortunately, this law was beneficial for people. The citizens could legalize the houses they constructed in the villages, so they accepted it. People didn't think that later on this would cost them their lives.
10: Malachia's mayor declined to comment on the Trend Garden's collapse, but said authorities needed to learn lessons from the earthquake.
11: Actually, developers should also take responsibility for this issue. They should have a sense of responsibility. Expecting everything from the state and the state mechanisms won't mean a good job is done. Lastly, I would like to say that the property amnesty wasn't the correct approach.
10: As focus in Turkey intensifies on how poor construction may have contributed to the devastation caused by the earthquake, More than 230 people have been arrested, including building contractors and developers. 46,000 people in Turkey lost their lives in the quake, the deadliest natural disaster in the country's
0: modern history. Still to come, Australians can adopt wild horses. As the horse population rises, authorities look for ways to relocate the animals to prevent car accidents. Get the story after the break. Australians are adopting wild horses to stop road accidents. A number of the horses are hit by cars, so authorities are looking at ways to relocate them. Entity's Andrew Thomas has more on the initiative.
8: These wild Australian horses are also known as brumbies. They're kept in an enclosure deep in the woods, away from a busy road nearby. For local drivers in Queensland, there's a high risk of hitting the animals. It's inevitable that uh, you know someone will be killed if horses are on those roads. There are about 3000 local brumbies. As the population increases, so do road accidents. They're increasing
11: faster than they're being removed. So just about everywhere they'll build up until they start running out of food or in space. For the past 10
8: years, burman and forest rangers have been monitoring the wild horse population. To curb their numbers, 300 need to be relocated every year. The issue is finding enough suitable new homes.
12: Anyone can take a horse. We just need them to have a secure yard for when the Brumby first gets there if it's unhandled.
8: O'Ridge specializes in preparing brumbies for domestic life. She hosts clinics for those who want to learn how to care for and ride wild horses
12: we run camps where people come um, and then they they get their own brumby and they're taught the stages of getting that brumby from completely wild and unhandled to you know having a first ride
8: taming brumbies can take months but it's worth the effort and the impact the animal can make on a person's life is hard to quantify
11: when you find a good home for a horse and and you see the you know the face of the person who's taking it you can actually change someone's life
8: a number of wild horses are hit by cars which injure both the horse and the driver. The adoption program hopes to make the roads just a little bit safer for all. Andrew Thomas, NTD News.
0: Sometimes small dogs believe they're really big dogs. Such was the case with this little pup in California. That white puffball is Tofu. Tofu was running loose in a parking lot Saturday at Junipero Beach when the dog ran into the waves. Long Beach lifeguards say Tofu swam about 150 yards offshore, prompting lifeguards to go in for the rescue. Tofu was loaded up onto a paddleboard and brought to safety. While cold and shaken up after such a long swim, this little pup is doing just fine and is back with its owner. The next Men's World Cup is set to be played in three different countries, including the United States, and there will be a big format change. This was the all-announced by FIFA yesterday. The new plan includes 12 groups of four teams instead of 16 groups of three. FIFA says it's an effort to lessen, quote, the risk of collusion and ensures that all the teams play a minimum of three matches while giving the teams rest time. The top two teams from each group and the eight best third place teams advance to the round of 32. The move means more matches overall from 80 to 104. The 2026 Men's World Cup is the first to have 48 teams playing in three countries, Canada, Mexico, and the United States, with 16 different cities playing host, including Atlanta, Boston, Los Angeles, Philadelphia, Kansas City, Guadalajara, Toronto, and Vancouver. The final is scheduled to take place July 19, 2026. A new entry in the Guinness Book of World Records, a free diver plunged beneath the surface of a frozen lake, reaching a depth never recorded before. David Venzel dived to a depth of over 160 feet in a Swiss lake without a wetsuit. The 40-year-old Czech diver retrieved a sticker to prove his feat. He then re-emerged from a hole in the ice. His promoter said he enjoyed the process, but said he was more nervous than usual and had some breathing problems. It's really difficult to to work with the pressure in your eyes, uh, in your ears uh, in a cold water.
7: And he didn't know what to expect uh, from this dive. And if you combine all these three things, cold water, lack of oxygen, and and the problem with uh, with uh, working with pressure, it's something very unique.
0: The dive took less than two minutes and temperatures below thirty nine degrees. This was a little slower than expected. Menzel threw up some blood, sat for a minute and then opened a bottle of champagne. A later trip to the hospital confirmed that he was okay. Pregnancy is an exciting, unique time in a woman's life. Let's get some tips for a healthy, holistic pregnancy. Here's Gina Marie with Strong Mind and Body.
12: Pregnancy can be a wonderful time for many women. But for some, this season of life can also be marked with apprehension or fear. So, where to begin? Let's get a few simple tips, starting with sleep. Creating a new life within uses up a lot of energy. Allow your body to rest and rebuild each day. Many experience fatigue during the first trimester. This is due to the many changes within the body. These include shifts in hormones, blood sugar, blood volume, and blood pressure. Allow yourself to go to bed earlier, sleep in, or sneak in a nap during the day. Next, let's look at the importance of sunlight. Contrary to conventional wisdom, the sun should not be feared. This is especially so during pregnancy. Shoot for 15 to 30 minutes per day of sun exposure. Make sure you expose as much skin as possible to the sun's rays. If the climate you live in does not make daily sun exposure feasible, consider food sources of vitamin D such as quality cod liver oil, beef liver, egg yolks, grass-fed dairy, and wild salmon. Vitamin D supports your immune system, which is working double time during pregnancy. It is also vital to the bone growth and development of your baby. Next, let's look at the importance of hydration. Staying hydrated is important throughout your pregnancy. This is because your body's blood volume increases significantly. Proper hydration keeps you and your baby thriving and lessens pregnancy issues such as urinary tract infections and constipation. Next, let's look at nutrition. I'm sure you've heard the adage eating for two in reference to your diet during pregnancy. The general rule of thumb is to consume roughly 300 extra calories per day. It's important to avoid refined foods and focus on nutrient-dense whole foods. What you consume is providing the raw materials needed to help your baby grow. And finally, let's look at movement. Get your body moving as often as you can. It will make you feel good, prepare your body for labor, and support your body to heal postpartum. Taking a 30-minute walk daily will make a huge difference in keeping you physically fit and your body in balance as it changes.
0: That's all for today's program. We're really glad to have you with us please send us an email if you'd like to tell us something. We're going to put it on screen. For podcasters, that's news.today at ntd.com. I'm Kevin Hogan, NTD News, New York City.